and welcome to the Banbury Beer Podcast for November 2019. On this month's instalment, we'll be looking at craft beer. What is it? Why is it? And should you be interested in it? We'll also be taking a look at local retailer Slurp to see what beers they've got on offer. But we're going to start with some local news stories. kick things off with a few local beer related stories and we start right here in Banbury. The Chatsworth is due to reopen following a massive refurbishment and uh, is due to open on Friday the 15th of November. Formerly called the Cock Horse and uh, at least according to plans due to be called at one time the Banbury Verse, owners Heineken Star Pubs have spent over £250,000 making over this former estate pub. The Banbury Guardian says the pub now boasts a spacious dining room, a redesigned bar area which includes the bar lounge and a sports room, large screen TVs, a pool table and outside patio seating for the summer months. It is the third addition to the Game Changer pub company, joining the Wine Vaults on Parsons Street and is hoping to become the hub of the community. General Manager Tanisha Bonham, formerly of the Three Conies in Thorpe Mandeville, said we want it to be somewhere people can come on a Monday night because they have had a long day at work and they don't want to cook. We want it to be somewhere that's really special for people to come and celebrate. It's going to be family friendly, community orientated. If you look at the size of the area to have no pub, it was just such a waste. The website states there will be an extensive drink selection ranging from local cask ales, craft ale and lager, over 25 gins and a unique cocktail and mocktail menu. We wish all the customers and staff at the Chatsworth every success. Hooky win at Oxford Beer Festival. Another hugely successful Oxford Beer and Cider Festival took place at the Town Hall in Oxford between the 24th and the 26th of October, featuring 170 real ales and 50 ciders and perries. Congratulations go to Hook Norton Brewery for winning overall beer of the festival with their new brew, What the Fox. That's not the only award for this local staple, as Hooky have also won a host of medals at the World Beer Awards this year, with golds going to Red Rye, which was the UK's best rye beer, and gold medals also going to Flagship in the UK English-style IPA category, Old Hooky in the UK Pale Bitter, 45 to 5.5% category, a silver medal for the Cotswold Pale, and a bronze for Hooky Gold in the Pale Golden category. So huge congratulations to James and the team there at Hook Norton. The Museum of Oxford is crowdfunding to raise £15,000 to display an intriguing collection of objects from Oxford's pubs and breweries, helping to tell the story of the region's rich local history through the local. The hope is for the pubs and brewery exhibition to be installed in autumn next year, uh, with a new-looking museum open to the public late in 2020. A range of incentives are on offer, including a set of four exclusive beer mats, a growler fill-up at the excellent Teardrop Micropub in the Covered Market, and limited edition prints by local artists. To find out more, just search for Museum of Oxford and find them on the Art Fund crowdfunding platform. And finally, in its annual quest to find the best pub in Britain, Camera have narrowed down the 16 regional finalists down to the best four, and the winner will be announced soon. The four pubs are The Bell in Oldworth, near Goring, The Red Line in Preston, uh, close to Hitchin, The Swan with Tunics in Pendleton, near Clitheroe, and The Georgian Dragon in Hudswell, near Scotch Corner. (laughs) 
So I'm here in Slurp in Banbury with Rob, part of the team. Hi, Rob. Hi. Nice to meet you. Yes, likewise. So uh, let, tell me a little bit about your range. You've got, um, I was quite impressed when I came in, and I was also quite impressed by the ambience because I was imagining it was a bit more of a warehouse, but it's actually quite cosy in here. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> but yeah, you've got a, a pretty good range, haven't you, covering, covering most bases? We do. Uh, we try and keep the range fairly regularly rotating. Um, obviously, uh, it's always good to have new things on the shelves. Um, things we will always have in stock are local beers like Hooky and uh, Gundog Ales. We've always got the full range of Sandsmith's beers in stock too. And we try and have a good range of continental and craft beers as well. Yeah, it's fantastic. And so you've, got, you've definitely got a mix of uh, ales for the more traditional palette and then you've got uh, well you're a bit empty at the moment because you've obviously been selling out but you've uh, got a good range of craft stuff as well <laughs> yeah more on the way um <laughs> as i say it's an ever rotating range so uh sometimes we have more sometimes we have a little bit less um but we we do try and have a fairly representative range try and have something for everybody and always try and have new things uh, on the shelves for people as well and uh, does it change much with the seasons do you get a bit paler in the summer? Yeah, or? yeah. Like uh, like many people's ranges, it is seasonally focused. Um, we'll be having lots more dark beers, porters, stouts, uh, yeah. hopefully a couple of barley wines in over Christmas. And obviously in summer, it's all about those uh, sort of bright, zesty, hoppy pale ales, IPAs and uh, lagers. Mixture of bottles and cans as well. Are yeah, you, you, yeah. Have you seen much of a change towards more cans recently? Or people are definitely moving in the direction of cans. They're they're easier to recycle. They're more lightweight. You don't need to carry a bottle opener. So there's that yeah. convenience and environmental aspect to them. Because there's not that horrible metally taste that you used to get with. No, they've <laughs> the greatly technology. improved, haven't yeah, they? Really yeah. improved. Which is important for the craft beers because they'd be absolute garbage if they're oh, in. <laughs> very much so. Beer tins used to be awful. Now you honestly can't really taste the difference between a bottled or canned beer. Oh, certainly I can't anyway. Um, and they're a lot more convenient for people. And cans lend themselves a lot better to this really vibrant, bold branding that's really Packaging, coming to yeah, beer yeah. at the moment. Yeah. You, can, you can fit a lot more label on a can than you can <laughs> on a bottle. And uh, I noticed at the top top there, you've got uh, quite a few sort of Belgian-y, um, certainly continental beers. Um, do, dare I mention the, the B word? <laughs> Whether the, you you see that as uh, changing in the future? Um, that may <laughs> that may obviously impact on it. Obviously, yeah. nobody knows how it's going to go <laughs> at the moment. Um, but I, I would suggest maybe stockpiling a few Belgian beers <laughs> <laughs> before the end of this month. Um, Obviously, we, we have so many things in the UK now that are uh, popping up, like uh, Tint Meadow, um, England's first Trappist brewery. We normally have some of their beer in stock. So uh, if, uh, you know, touch wood, hoping we don't, <laughs> if all the Belgian beer does suddenly run out, there's always uh, there's always English Trappist beer for you to, to yeah. revert to. It's certainly more of a problem for the, the wine side of the business, I expect. Uh, very much so. <laughs> I'm trying not to really think about that much at the moment. Sorry. <laughs> but, uh, we'll move swiftly on. <laughs> Um, so uh, at the moment, I can't see a lot of low-alcohol, sort of non- non-alcoholic beer, but uh, you, you're going to try and rectify that. It's you? something we're working on. Uh, we are seeing a lot more demand for lower alcohol and no-alcohol beers. Um, so it, it's a broader trend that we're seeing through the entire drinks industry at yeah. the moment with yeah. the popularity of non-alcoholic spirits like Seedlip and Driver's Tip, all things like that. And people are looking for good quality low alcohol wines um yep. i'm not going to say whether i think those exist or not but um <laughs> that suggests you it's uh, yeah it, it's it's something we're seeing much more interest in uh for whether people are drinking less for health reasons or for religious reasons or financial reasons yeah 
and there is much more on the market now than there used to be certainly even a few years ago so uh there's, there's we're, suggestions we're that the younger the younger crowd don't don't drink you know the students they don't really drink it, it maybe does, because it, they can't afford to it, that could well come into it i think yeah. money's definitely uh, a factor here but um certainly attitudes towards health have changed and yeah. we're seeing a lot of people drinking less uh, for for health reasons there's a lot in the media at the moment about uh, the, the, the supposed health risks of alcohol which yep. obviously like anything is in moderation is somewhat is absolutely fine yeah it's only yep. when it's done to excess that it causes a problem but unfortunately, there's been a lot of hype in the media about alcohol and these supposed health risks, and that has really encouraged people to start drinking a bit less. You can always drink better quality. You can. <laughs> you, you can. And the, the, the Drink Less But Better campaign that happened a few years ago and still is very much going on, that did have a huge effect. Uh, you know, Instead of drinking five £4 bottles of wine a week, drink one really nice £20 bottle of wine at the mm. weekend, mm. enjoy it a lot more and be a bit healthier Save at the same it. time yeah yeah yeah. what about lager have you because you, you've got a few lagers here do you, do you think that's becoming more popular again because um you know that it's obviously the mass consumed beer yeah um so, and uh but you know there's there's a lot of sort of smaller scale breweries that are kind of trying to big it up again aren't they lager is definitely having something of a renaissance uh, as you say uh, i guess there's always something that's in vogue <laughs> yeah true very, very true maybe it's come around to lager's turn yeah. again obviously we, we've seen the, the the huge popularity of pale ales and ipas and um it seems to have worked its way around to lager I, i'm wondering what's happening with the with the darker beers mm, darker mm. beers seem to be being passed over a little bit at the moment yeah maybe, I'd, maybe I'd like them to make a bit I, of would, a I, yeah. would, I, I like a good dark beer but they seem to be a little we bit did we did uh we did milds one year at the beer festival and that oh, was yeah. really good because you know it was obviously a very unfashionable thing because you have this image of the 80s yeah, yeah, of like drinking yeah, yeah, mild yeah, in the pub true. and stuff and yeah. it, it you know there's nothing wrong with it as a beer no, not at all. I, I really if it's done it. well, it's a, it's a really good beer. Yeah. But yeah, well, we are certainly seeing renewed interest in lager. Um, I think brewers are starting to realise that you can actually play around with lager as much as you can any other style of beer. You can really put your own mark on it yep. and make it a very unique product. Obviously, tr- traditional lager is a really wonderful thing in its own right. Mm. Um for, for very good reasons, lager did earn itself a bit of a bad name a few years ago. There was a lot of lager out there that just really wasn't particularly interesting. <laughs> um, but that's no longer the case. There's some really, really good lagers around. Yeah. And we got Christmas not too far away. So obviously, that, I guess that's going to be a busy time for it you. It certainly will. Have you yeah. got uh, plans for anything in particular that we can look out for? We will be bulking up our beer range uh, in time for Christmas, as we will with everything else. We'll hopefully be getting... Um, good little range of barley wines in as well i know they get very popular around christmas mainly for culinary purposes but they're great to drink while you're making the christmas cake as well. you don't have to go too far <laughs> yeah yeah so, yeah so you don't have to home. drive or do anything in the afternoon um yeah so we will be seeing a lot more beers on our shelves for christmas uh, maybe some of those darker more wintry beers as well um we've got the uh pretty much the full range of the ridgeway christmas beers coming in as well as we do every year the uh, your bad elves and lump of coal and reindeer droppings things like that always very popular mm. so we'll be we'll be seeing those well but i know you hold events here or you've started do, fairly recently are you, is there any plans to do anything beer related because i've seen it's obviously been wine focused so far i think and we maybe gin, uh, but We've got a couple of pop-up bars coming along, uh, one on the 15th of November, Friday 15th of November, and another on the 13th of December as well. Uh, there will be beers featured at those bars. 
Um, you can essentially come along and drink any beer you want for a small corkage fee as well on the pop-up bar evenings. We have run beer tastings in the past. Um, we haven't done one in a while, so yeah, maybe it's time to do a do a beer tasting soon. Mm. Well, let me know. I will, I will. <laughs> absolutely. Be the Thanks very much for your time, Robert. It's Thank been you. fantastic. And it's, uh, it's great to see this, this great range available locally. Cool. Thank you very much indeed. Part of the reason for doing this podcast is to uh, try and talk about different topics, uh, maybe introduce people who aren't familiar with uh, a certain subject um, uh, to it in some way, and uh, spark some sort of debate, hopefully. Um, If you'd uh, like to get in touch with your opinions and uh, suggestions, then do please do so. Um, We'll tell you about that uh, at the end of the podcast. But uh, for the time being, uh, we're going to start with something that could be a potential hot potato and talk about the uh, topic of craft beer. So we'll we'll kind of uh, try and give an idea as to what it may or may not be to start with um, and then uh, sort of talk about how it's increased in popularity in the last uh, decade or so and uh, what the future holds potentially. So um, the term craft is uh, obviously a difficult thing to define, particularly here in the UK, I would say. Um, That's in part because the UK has a very strong heritage of uh, cask beer, which isn't found really very much elsewhere in the world. So uh, when a lot of countries talk about craft beer, they're really comparing um, the uh, brewers, make the large international brewers who are kind of selling lager and associated products, um, and those that are kind of making um, more sort of small-scale, um, perhaps more interesting beers. Um, but here in the UK, because of the, uh, the heritage of cask beer, it's made it rather a bit more complicated um and uh purely mentioning the word craft can uh, elicit some very strong um uh reactions from people uh, but there is a need to differentiate between different uh, beers um because it's a very broad industry so you can't just simply talk about beer in general at times you might be uh, only referring to uh, lager which probably makes up the bulk of sales here in the UK um, or you may be wanting to talk about the more sort of artisanal, perhaps, which is uh, incidentally how it's referred to in Portugal. Um, you might be talking about that kind of uh, niche end of the market. So there is some need for uh, differentiation. Um, at its most simple, if you go by a sort of go by a purely dictionary definition, then craft is simply an activity involving skill in making things by hand. But uh, unfortunately, that's not a very good um, description of beer because any beer requires some skill you know even uh, large scale production there's a huge amount of skill involved to produce a consistent product uh, defining what craft is is uh, i would say a personal decision but i think there are a number of factors which are likely to go into someone's definition of whether a beer is craft or not um, things like the style of the beer uh, may be important the per- who's making it and uh, also how the uh, the product ends up being delivered to the uh, to the the awaiting customer. A beer's style, uh, be it sort of lager or IPA or stout or something, is, uh, I would say, unsatisfactory as a means of determining it, whether it's craft or not. Yes, some styles are more likely to be craft than others. Um, you're probably not going to get a traditional brewer making something that they would describe as a dipper. But equally, any brewer is capable of making any beer, um, any beer style. Um, and you wouldn't find many people who'd agree that a dipper made by someone like Heineken is uh, a craft beer. If you say craft to someone, it often conjures up an image in their head uh, relating in some way to uh, independence. Um, 
with small-scale brewers sourcing the best ingredients and conjuring up something super hoppy and unrefined. Uh, well, that's one end of the, the spectrum, anyway. Uh, with smaller breweries being brought out, uh, bought out, sorry, by their large counterparts, this creates a problem with using the term craft. The product may remain the same, but it's now produced by a large company. So, does this mean that the craft beer that you enjoyed a couple of years ago, uh, before they they were bought out, is no longer craft two years on? Kind of playing on from that, this led to many um, ditching the term craft altogether and instead branding beer as from an independent brewery instead. An approach which was already uh, has been taken up in Australia, where the Craft Beer Industry Association has changed its name to the Independent Beer Association, and the launch of independent certification to, on beers by uh, UK's own Society of Independent Brewers, SIBA, um, or the uh, American Brewers Association. I think that when many people talk about craft, uh, they're really talking about how the beer is served, but this also has problems as the same beer can be served in keg, cask and can. So if we define craft by its delivery method alone, then this will um, make the beer simultaneously both craft and not craft. So without really defining, (laughs) giving a definition of what craft is, I'll use uh, inverted commas around uh, craft whenever I say it. So we've already failed to give a kind of definition of craft, uh, but the, the, the word will still pop up on from time to time carrying on so uh, we're going to use it in inverted commas um but uh here in the uk craft beer has uh, been in existence for getting on for 20 years and uh, there's two perhaps unlikely sources which have played a significant role in the rise in its popularity and accessibility uh, one of which is the united states um which we're not really going to touch on here because uh, it's a topic in itself um but brewers here in the uk have taken a huge amount of influence from our cousins in america who have been uh, brewing craft beer uh, for a lot longer than we have. Um, and the second one is uh, Gordon Brown, um, who, uh, whilst Chancellor in 2002, introduced the Small Brewers Relief, a tax relief that meant that small breweries received a levy on the level of duty due on their beer. Uh, it operates on a sliding scale, and uh, it's obviously it's not far, it's far from perfect. Many uh, people want it to be reformed further, um, but it sees an up to 50% reduction in the duty uh, due if you brew somewhere approaching 880,000 pints in a year um, and trails off to um, uh, the reduction trails off up to about 10 million pints per annum. Um, the result of this reduced levy makes beer production more profitable for small startups, uh, which allows them to invest in staff and equipment whilst remaining competitive with larger brewers and uh, who have greater resources and allows these small uh, startups to get a toehold in the market. Um, before it was introduced, obviously, um, if you were playing the same kind of levy that uh, a large brewer was, then uh, they could just, you know, with economies of scale, they can just massively uh, outcompete you. So um, it, it's definitely been a good thing in terms of increasing the number of brewers uh, that are around. Doesn't mean that the quality of the beer is necessarily going to be any better, um, but more people brew more beer um, is hopefully a good thing. Um, Since its introduction in 2002, the UK has seen an explosion in the number of breweries, both craft and traditional, um, with an estimated 64% increase between 2012 and 2017 alone. Um, And the current estimate is somewhere in the region of 2,250 British breweries, which uh, represents something of an all-time high. Uh, The UK is something of a unique marketplace, as I mentioned before. No other country has the tradition of cask beer that we do. 
Um, these new breweries are a mixture of those that may be considered more traditional, making classic cask-style beers, uh, those that, are, that could be called craft, uh, which produce more modern-style beers and uh, may deliver them exclusively in formats more associated with craft beers, such as the, the keg and the can, and also breweries that kind of span the two worlds, um, making beer for both uh, cask and keg, uh, those like Thornbridge. This is in stark contrast to the number of pubs, unfortunately, which uh, a quick Google search estimates at somewhere in the region of 40,000 in the UK, uh, with approximately 200 pubs closing in the first six months of 2019 alone. I won't go too far down the rabbit hole of why pubs are on the wane and breweries, uh, why there's this difference in breweries increasing and pubs um, disappearing, but as with everything else, money surely plays an important role. Uh, whilst the cost to the consumer in the pub has risen rapidly, um, an average cost to uh, a UK pub goer is around £3.80 a pint, um, which is in part due to taxation, but also indirectly uh, due to pubs and brewers recouping their increased costs from other um, uh, other activities. Um, the cost to drink at home has risen much more slowly, and uh, it's still, you're still able to go and buy uh, beer in a supermarket for uh, under a pound. So um, with increasing cost in the pub, uh, the, the appeal of drinking at home, as long as you can get something that you like, um, is obviously uh, increased. Whilst the increase in popularity in craft is uh, a good thing to uh, a lot of people, uh, with increased range of styles of beer available, um, things that... Uh, might appeal to people that aren't usually beer drinkers and uh, introduce them to the to the ways of beer. Um, it's uh, it's not everyone's cup of tea. Um, in the latest Oxford Drinker, there is an article by Rob Walters entitled "Concerned by Craft." In it, he states, "As far as I'm concerned, craft beers are keg beers, tastier perhaps, but still keg. It is not real ale. It is fizzier and does not taste as good. Maybe someday it will, and that will be the end of that bothersome stuff, real ale." He continues. I believe that craft beers are a threat that could destroy this wonderful real ale age. Why? Simply because they are easier to keep and ensure less wastage. This means that they will be heavily promoted by the larger brewers and become the preferred choice for unskilled cellar keepers. Meanwhile, most worrying, younger drinkers will be seduced by the promotion of craft and scared off by the association of real ale with an ageing population. Whilst I agree that there are reasons for concern for the future of cask... Uh, a recent report by Castmark suggests a near 7% decline in cask sales in the past year, and over 10% if you take that as far as two years. I would say that craft is only one of a number of challenges facing the future of cask. Craft beer is still fairly small potatoes in the UK, with James Watt, the co-founder of Brewdog, giving an estimate of 2-3% to market share for craft beer. Clearly the bulk of the remainder will be taken up by um, lager and other drinks, but uh, a decent chunk of that uh, of remaining 97% or so will be uh, cask beer. So perhaps it is delivery of the product which might lead to people choosing craft over cask. In the July issue of Craft Beer Mag Ferment, Melissa Cole talks about the issue of temperature and how many pubs are serving their product too warm, with the cask mask scheme insisting on pythons being set between 10 and 14 degrees C. There's also an issue on the supply chain, with many wholesalers and breweries not maintaining the product at suitable temperatures to ensure that it arrives in a fit condition. Many 
people are put off by bad experiences with cask beer in pubs where the standards may not be as high and the cellar and beer aren't maintained to a high enough standard. For every award-winning pub banging out banging craft beer, there are myriad pubs who are serving tepid, flat, uninspiring cask that does nothing to do the justice brewer. Part of the popularity of the craft beer movement is an improved deliverability of the product with more consistent results. Cask is a far harder beast to look after with a much shorter shelf life once tapped and a much, therefore a much de- higher degree of wastage, which cuts into the beer's profitability. This can be seen from brewers such as Cloudwater, who uh, took the decision to stop selling cask after they noticed disappointing returns compared to their other delivery systems. However, there are reasons for optimism. In the summer 2019 uh, edition of Beer Magazine, writer Matthew Curtis uh, details how Cloudwater Brewery went back on this decision to stop selling cask um, in uh, December 2018 after they address some of the issues of um, quality of their product received by their customers. One hurdle they tackled was the supply chain, um, switching to a distributor who can ensure temperature control of the product so that it reached the pub in optimum condition. Another was supplying the right pubs, who had a proven track record of delivering consistent products. They also sent their own staff to test the product in the pubs. They know what it was like when it left the brewery, so they are in the best position to check if it's as it was when it left them when it served to the customer. Another craft brewery, Northern Monk, decided to serve Landlord from Timothy Taylor um, as a resident beer in its Manchester bar. That is if you can find it, because it's often sold out. So having just about scratched the surface of craft beer, I think we're going to leave it there for this episode. Thank you very much for listening, and a huge thank you to Rob from Slurp in Banbury for giving us uh, his time. And uh, as I said earlier on in the podcast... We'd love uh, to hear from you. If you want to give any sort of feedback or suggestions of things we could feature in upcoming episodes, or uh, ideally if you want to get involved in uh, helping put the show together, then uh, do get in touch. Uh, I do want this to come become some sort of forum for discussion. I don't want it just to be me uh, prattling on um, for uh, show after show. So uh, do get in touch. You can find us on Twitter and just search for Banbury Beer. And uh, you can also send us an email at banburybeer at gmail.com. So until the next time, cheers! cheers.